So Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the second passage is Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to chapter 6 verse 3, which is on page 1172 in the Red Bibles. And I'll just give you some time to turn to it. So Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Thanks, Rika. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you. If you've not met me before, my name's Neil. It's great to see you all this morning. Shall we pray as we look at God's word together? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your word. And thank you that your word is clear and challenges us today and shows us the way to you. Please help us all to see you clearly today and help us to have a bigger view of Jesus as we look at his gentleness. In his name we pray. Amen. When I was preparing this talk, I was trying to think whether I'd heard a talk or a sermon on gentleness before, and I don't think I have. I don't think it's something that we often talk about. And I wonder whether that's because... We don't think it's very relevant, and we think it's quaint or something, or we have presumptions about what gentleness means. So what comes to your mind when you think about gentleness? What is gentleness? Currently, my brother-in-law um, is a zookeeper at a theme park, and his main job is looking after the panda enclosure, looking after the pandas. It's a pretty cool job. Maybe that's the kind of thing you think about when you think of gentleness, looking after cute animals. Or maybe your reaction is um, slightly different. I think another view that we have of gentleness is not a good one. To be gentle is sometimes another way of saying to be weak. It means to be a pushover with no backbone. Never doing anything risky or saying anything difficult to anybody. It means to be quiet and not rock the boat. So what is Paul calling us to do here? Is he calling us to be weak, 
pushovers? Or is he calling us to do gentle things like look after cute animals? Well, hopefully you don't think it's either of those. And I wonder if the reason we've got this mixed view of gentleness is because we just don't think about it enough. Gentleness in our life seems to have about as much relevance as those pandas that my brother-in-law looks after. But I hope we'll see this morning that the Bible does have a lot to say about gentleness and a broad amount to say as well. So let's find out together as we come to what the Bible has to say. And instead of imposing our understanding of gentleness, assuming what it means or what we'd like it to mean, let's let the Bible dictate to us what true gentleness is. And as with all the fruits of the Spirit, one of the best places to look for this aspect of God's character is in Jesus. So we're going to start by looking at Jesus' gentleness, and then we're going to finish by thinking about what does that mean for us, what's, what does that mean about our gentleness. So firstly, Jesus' gentleness. I know we've just read, um, but let's turn back to that passage in Matthew 11. If you've turned away, now's a good chance to, to flick back. And I'll read that again. So Matthew 11, um, 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage gives us a clear view of what Jesus' gentleness causes him to do. So we're going to take it in three sections. Our burden, Jesus' strength to carry that burden, and finally the cross. So firstly, our burden. Have a look again at verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What action is Jesus promising to do? Well, he's promising to give rest to those who are weighed down and to remove that weight from them. So what burden is Jesus willing to take? In what ways are we weary? Is Jesus talking about anything that makes us weary? Anything perhaps that we've brought here this morning that make us feel burdened? I think the answer is yes, we can. Jesus doesn't caveat what makes us weary or burdened. And he doesn't say how heavy that thing is. There's no limit on who can come to Jesus and there's no limit on how heavy those people are burdened. Well, secondly, I think the burden Jesus is talking about here and the burden from the wider context of Matthew is the burden of the law. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people have had a law to follow, effectively a list of rules to follow in order to live and worship God. But the religious leaders at this time used these laws and they added to them to give people rules to obey in order to earn God's approval even though they were never intended in this way. Have a listen to these words um, from Jesus later in Matthew um, on the screen. Jesus speaking to the, to the religious leader says this, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put, and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. The leaders were happy to burden people more and more with rules and laws, some of them that they just made up themselves. But they never provided any way 
of removing those burdens or any assurance that they had earned God's approval. For Jesus says here, all who are burdened and weary with a weight on their shoulders that they cannot carry can come to him and they'll receive rest. I remember when I was in school, um, my brother doing the Duke of Edinburgh's award, a five-day expedition in the middle of a hot summer. I think it was like 30 degrees then. I was always the chubby brother. He was super skinny. And I remember the bag that he was carrying was as, was as heavy as he was. It was unbelievable that he could carry it at all. And it completely put me off doing Duke of Edinburgh, to be honest. <laughs> Must have been exhausting. But have you had a similar feeling, a similar experience, where you've had to carry something heavy for a long period of time? It's okay when you first put it on, isn't it? It feels heavy, but you can manage. But then over time, it gets heavier and heavier, and your muscles get sore, and your arms start to turn to jelly. But do you remember the feeling when you take it off your shoulders? When you drop it off, it's a wonderful feeling. You can sit down, put your feet up, have a cup of tea, it's a luxury. But imagine if you got to the end of your, your day, this heavy work, and then you had no way of removing this burden from your shoulders. You continually had to carry that heavy weight. That's the image that Jesus is giving us here. A heavy burden that we carry, and we've got no way of taking it off. But where there is no way to remove that burden, Jesus says he will. He can take the weight, he can remove the burden of law from us. That law was never meant as a means to earn God's approval like the Pharisees said. It was never meant to be a burden to carry, but its purpose was to point to our real need. It's impossible for us to carry that burden because of our sin. And I think a lot of those things that do burden us, that make us weary, things perhaps that we've brought here this morning, are either directly or indirectly a result of our sin or others' sin. We live in a world that's broken because of sin. It's a broad word, sin, and it's not just those things um, that we do wrong or that we feel guilty or ashamed of. Sin is a life, a way of life, lived in rebellion against our rightful King, Jesus. And we've spat in the face of the one that we should hail as our Lord. We've rejected Jesus and we put ourselves first. So I want to take a step back and see how amazing this sentence is from Jesus here. And it will bring us to our second point, Jesus' strength. What would a normal reaction be to being rejected? What about in your life when someone has wronged you or betrayed your trust? What's our instant reaction? Someone we've shown kindness to or friendship, but then has betrayed us or hurt us deliberately. I think our reaction is anger at such injustice. We hate it, don't we, when we don't think we've been treated rightly. Or think of another ruler in our world. What would they do when someone close to them rebels against them? Well, they crush the rebellion, don't they? And they don't hesitate. They use their position of power to punish those who offend them. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus, speaking to all, says, he's not going to crush you or punish us for rejecting him. He actually goes the opposite way. Not only does he say he's not going to punish us, but he's going to take that burden on himself 
Jesus is willing to take the burden of judgment for rejecting him. Even though he would be completely right and just to judge us. Well, why is that? How can Jesus do something like that? How can he be so different to us? Well, I think the answer is in verse 29. Have a look down. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus does it because of his heart. The center of himself, at the center of Jesus, is humility and gentleness. Those two words are similar, and they're often used um, together or sometimes interchangeably in the New Testament. And a helpful simplification to understand them is that humility is a word to describe your attitude towards yourself, and gentleness is your attitude or actions towards those around you. So it's Jesus' outward gentleness and his self-humility that means he doesn't use his rightful position to judge, but he chooses to offer us mercy instead. So do you see that picture of of gentleness here? It isn't weakness. It's easy for us to confuse gentleness and weakness, I think. When we fail to act because we don't have the power or the ability or the bravery to do so, that isn't gentleness. When we fail to speak up, when we know that we should, when we don't come to somebody's defense because we're afraid we're gonna be attacked ourselves, or when we allow a lie to be told because we're not brave enough to stand up for the truth. All those things come out of weakness. They might look gentle, they might go under the facade of gentleness, but they're not. Failure to act out of weakness is cowardliness, not gentleness. Gentleness is showing restraint or kindness or calmness or cool-headedness in spite of strength. It's out of strength that you can show gentleness. And Jesus has unlimited strength. And he's got the position, he has the right and the power to judge us. But instead, he chooses to withhold his strength for our sake, to show mercy and forgiveness. It's out of his strength that he can show gentleness. And gentleness here isn't just a lack of action. Yes, Jesus is is withholding his judgment from us. He's not acting in that way. But he also is taking action to take our sin upon himself willingly to take that punishment. Jesus is showing us his gentleness here. Now you may be thinking, that's fine, but what about those times where Jesus doesn't look gentle? For example, what about the time when Jesus goes into the temple in Jerusalem in John chapter two, and he sees a crowd of people buying and selling, and Jesus is angry and he creates a whip to drive people out of the temple. Surely he's not being gentle there. Well, I think we need to understand, uh, let the Bible shape what our understanding of gentleness is. Jesus has told us that he is gentle. So when we see these times where he doesn't look gentle, we know that he is. And we know that we need to rethink our understanding of gentleness. Maybe it's because we've misunderstood gentleness here. We think it's about failure to act or to do bold things. But as we've seen, that can't be true. Perhaps um, we need to consider who Jesus is showing gentleness to. 
almost as a father who disciplines his son, maybe. Or perhaps Jesus is showing gentleness to those who can now come to the temple, now the buyers and sellers have been driven out. Jesus' gentleness is out of his strength to take action that causes him to carry our burden. And the cross is the perfect example of this. So point three, the cross. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, being crucified, carrying our burden of sin, people gathered around him to watch him die. And they mocked him. They said things like this, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. And others said he saves others, but he cannot save himself. The people see Jesus crucified and they assume that it's out of his weakness that he's ended up there. They assume that power should be exerted for our own benefit. Therefore, logically, the fact that Jesus is on the cross proves he doesn't have power. It's incomprehensible that Jesus would willingly go to the cross and stay there for the sake of others. But it's the opposite of weakness. It's Jesus' great power and restraint that took him to the cross. And it's it's his power and restraint that keeps him nailed there. Jesus could come down from the cross, but he acts bravely and courageously to remain where he is, to take incredible suffering, so that he can show gentleness to the very people who are mocking him. Now I just want to pause there and ask, how does that change our view of Jesus? It's easy, isn't it, to assume or to build up a picture of Jesus in our minds as a judgmental figure who wants to punish us for all the things that we do, who nitpicks, that he burdens us by asking us to obey him, like a harsh ruler. But can you see here that Jesus goes to such a cost to rescue us from judgment, to willingly bear it himself? John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A few years ago, I heard a sermon um, where the pastor said what it was like to reject Jesus. He said the cross blocks our way to judgment. It's like a huge sign standing in the way, pleading to us. And the only way to reject Jesus is to trample over it, to trample over the cross on the way to hell. Jesus bends low to show us gentleness that we don't deserve. And instead of burdening burdening us, have a look down at verse 30 at what he does for us, what he gives us. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, in return, is going to give us his yoke, which is light and easy. A yoke is the wooden bar that farmers used to put on the ox to pull a heavy weight or to do the hard work of plowing the soil in the field. It's a contrast because a yoke is for heavy manual labor. It's a contradiction. But Jesus says it's light and easy. The fruits that we've been looking at over the summer are fruits of the Spirit. God has given us everything we need to live for him. Against such things, there is no law. That's what we've been singing. So if you've been coming to church for a while, and you think being a Christian means following rules, 
then you're mistaken. It's not the case. Following Jesus is a relief from rules. There's no burden of law anymore because Jesus has taken it. Jesus says there's still a yoke, but it's an easy one. It's not hard labor. Jesus frees us from the heavy yoke of sin and law and gives us one where we can freely live for him. Galatians, that's the book where the fruits of the spirit are from, says that before Jesus we were like slaves, slaves to our own desires, slaves to our own sin. That's the burden that we carry. But the burden falls off our back when we trust in Jesus. Have a look on the screen. Galatians 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. We can see Jesus' gentleness to us here. His gentleness leads to sacrificial action towards us for our benefit. He doesn't exchange it for another burden. He frees us. He shows gentleness in his restraint to judge, in his action to take his sin, our sin upon him, and in his kindness to give us a burden that is light. Let's think through what, what that gentleness means for us today, our gentleness. Throughout the New Testament, we're called to show gentleness in, in so many different ways, we can't cover them now. But I do want to run through five specific places where we can see what gentleness means for us in our lives. I'll put the passages on the screen as we go so we don't have to keep flicking. Um, and you should have space on your notice sheets, those bullet points, um, to keep track. So firstly, sharing the gospel. Have a look on the screen at these verses from 1 Peter. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everybody who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. If we're abused or given a hard time as Christians, I think there are two um, responses that we have. First one is fear and failure to speak or do anything. Well, the second is anger, wanting to retaliate or bite back. But in verse 15, we're called to show gentleness in the way that we respond. Notice again that it's action to speak boldly, to give a reason for the hope that we have. And gentleness here is used for the benefit of those who attack. It's a perfect way we can imitate Jesus because though he could have responded with anger to those who abused him, Jesus acted gently for the sake of those who attacked him. And here we see the benefit is that they may be ashamed of their slander and ultimately come to be drawn closer to the gospel. Showing the gospel. Secondly, um, towards outsiders. Have a look at these verses on the screen from Titus chapter 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. In the previous chapter, Titus chapter 2, Paul gives instructions for how Titus should teach different people 
in the church. He's got instructions for old men, young men, older women, younger, younger women, um, for children, slaves, masters. But then he reserves these instructions for the whole church. Always be gentle towards everyone. So notice that it's for the whole church, not just those who feel that they're gifted at gentleness. It's for you if you're male or female, a child or an adult. It's for everybody. And notice that it's directed towards all people, towards everyone. Everyone we meet inside, everyone we meet outside the church. And finally notice that it's at all times, always. Even when it'd be hard to show gentleness. Even when we're exhausted, and I guess especially those times where it's tempting to not be gentle. Well, thirdly, teachers in the church. Have a listen to these words from Timothy. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Again, here we see godly restraint, gentleness towards opponents when it would be easier to fight back or get angry. But we see gentleness in speaking boldly, standing up for the truth, but done gently for the benefit of those who hear, so that they would come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. Well, fourthly, we see gentleness in marriage and submission. Have a look at these verses from 1 Peter. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Wives are told to submit to their husbands and to show beauty with a gentle and quiet spirit. This is one, isn't it, that clashes with our culture. Because we assume that gentleness means weakness, to be less. And I picked this one out for that reason, because our world wants to cringe when we see verses like this. But after everything we've seen, and Jesus' example, I hope we can start to see the goodness here. That being gentle is in no way weakness, but instead wives' submission and modesty here is out of strength, showing restraint and kindness to their husbands for their benefit. Submission in marriage is not weakness, just as Jesus doesn't show weakness at the cross. Well, I hope you can see how broad the context is for gentleness, how much the Bible has to say, and we could go on and on. Once we've included all those examples that I've just mentioned, there isn't much of life left. In fact, I don't think there's any of life left. And I want to finish with our fifth and final passage. And that is to look at gentleness within the church. And we'll spend the rest of our time here in Galatians chapter 6. These verses are the very next bit after the fruits of the Spirit. And I think it's important to finish with the church because Galatians is written to a church. And so as Paul writes the fruits of the Spirit, he's got the church at the forefront of his mind. So let's read those verses again. They're going to be on the screen, so don't worry about flicking there. 
Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. The context here is a brother or sister is sinning in some way, we don't know what way, but we know that they're caught or trapped in it. The picture is of something dangerous that anybody could fall into. And Paul says that we, as a brother or sister in the church, should help that person. We should restore that person and do it gently. I think our natural inclination, again, is to be silent, to not say anything to offend anybody. But instead, it's taking action to reach out to a fellow brother or sister who is struggling, but to do it gently. But did you notice throughout this passage that there is a danger, the danger of pride? Paul knows our temptation so well. He knows that in our sinful temptation, when we see a brother or sister struggling, our temptation is to be proud. We see someone struggle where we don't, and that makes us feel better about ourselves, comforted by somebody else's failure. But Paul reminds us to be careful, or we too may be tempted to fall into the same sin. Paul knows full well that we're all capable of exactly the same sin as anybody else. Instead of feeling better, we should feel fear so that we don't fall too. And finally, he reminds us that when we are tempted to be proud, verse 3, we should remember that we deceive ourselves. We need to go back to Jesus. If we remember the burden that Jesus has borne for us at the cross, that cost of our sin, we would never consider ourselves more than we should. Such a contrast between Jesus and between us. Jesus is the most powerful. He's the only one who could consider himself something. He's the one who's lived perfectly unlike anyone else. In that same situation, he would have every right to rebuke us harshly and to judge. And he has every right to acknowledge his strength above ours. But instead, he gives himself all for our benefit, not in pride, but in absolute humility. And he bears the cross in order to lift us up. If Jesus, though he is above all, shows such humility and gentleness to us, how much more should we do that? As we strive to help those around us in the church, we should follow Jesus' example and show gentleness for the sake of others. There's no place for pride since everybody in the church has themselves been shown unlimited gentleness by Jesus on the cross. We should seek to lift each other up, just as Jesus has done that for us. And Paul says that if we do that, we'll fulfill the law of Christ. Let's pray, shall we, together? Father, we know that we are worthy of your judgment and that we've rejected you and lived for ourselves. We praise you and we thank you 
that you show your enemies gentleness at the cross. Thank you that our burden of sin is taken away and that we're free to serve you in humility. Please help us as we strive to imitate Jesus in our lives, in our speech and in our actions. Help us to have strength and boldness and help us to fulfill the law of Christ as we forsake ourselves for others. Help us to show gentleness to those around us and so glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.